today on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. She had great insight to share on Nixon, which is a Dutch art form of embracing the power of doing nothing. I read her book and I knew we had to chat. Take a listen and I hope you get some good nuggets. Welcome to the show, Olga. I'm so glad to have you join us on the podcast all the way from the Netherlands. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. I guess, how has your childhood shaped your experiences, the world, and really your journey to Nixon? Yeah, so that was kind of, I, I didn't realize that before I wrote the book. But when I when I got the chance to write Nixon, I was thinking, oh, you know, have I ever been good at it? Or is it, you know, mm-hmm. did it used to be something that I've always been good at? Or is it something that I've had to learn now? Because, as you know, a mother of three kids and running my own writing business and living abroad and being responsible for the house and stuff like that. And I did remember lots of time where I was just sitting on my bed or, you know, my father has this big comfy armchair in his room. It's it's a great place to sit on, very comfortable, very big. <laughs> so a great place to, you know, for reading or watching a movie or something, but also just for, for doing nothing, for daydreaming. That's beautiful. A couple of weeks ago, my family, we went to the home of Alexander Bell. He had this place when, you know, at his home where he invented, you know, the concept of the telephone and he would call it the dreaming place. And at that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm sure he was doing a lot of Nixon right here. So thanks for sharing that. Think of, you know, how kids have their tents or their reading nooks. Yeah. And adults somehow don't. Like we've lost this concept of a place just for play or just for relaxation or somewhere where you can just hide or like a fort or whatever, right? Mm. We, we don't seem to have that anymore. You wrote an article in 2019. It had 150,000 views. You know, I think it hit a nerve. You kind of gave people a permission slip to do nothing. Um, It appeared in the New York Times. um, And it's about just the power to do nothing. So I just love the idea of Nixon. So if you can just tell us what is Nixon, what is it and what is it not? Yeah, so that was was really interesting for me because I have read about it in a Dutch magazine, that um, magazine article called Nixon is the New Mindfulness. Yes, And as a linguist, I love the idea because Dutch as a language is quite efficient in a way that they use, you know, in English, you would have to say to do nothing or not to do anything, which is really lots of words. And the Dutch just call it Nixon, <laughs> super convenient and also yeah. easy to pronounce. I, I found at least from, you know, the languages that I do speak, I found there isn't a lot of information about doing nothing. So mm. I had to... I had to go through, you know, things like boredom or things like daydreaming or things like laziness, even procrastination, stuff like that to even get at at the heart of of the matter. And I found uh, Nixon is, linguistically speaking, Nixon is a Dutch verb. Mm -hmm. And the Dutch language loves making verbs out of everything, a bit like English does. Yeah. So in Dutch, you would say Nixtoon which is to do nothing, and then Nixon is the verb out of this. I see. I so see. they would say there is, for example, in Dutch, you wouldn't play tennis, you'd use tennis. I tennis, you tennis. Ah, you're doing. You're yeah, doing. you don't play f- football or soccer. I soccer, you soccer, you, mm. you football. Yeah. I football, you football, you basketball. 
she basketballs. You know, it it works like that. So the same way, you don't do nothing unique. Mm, so nothing is like it's something. Is is what it sounds like. Like nothing is actually something, and you're doing that something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a verb. It's an action word. Yeah. Like verbs are action or state words. And then I w- wondered, okay, it's probably easy to define what doing nothing is, but it's not. <laughs> it's actually quite. I found it quite hard. That's why I had to go mm. through all those concepts like boredom or laziness. Yeah, so what, what I found out that Nixon actually is, it has two parts. Yeah. The first part is doing nothing, like mm. literally doing nothing. So you're not reading books, you're not watching a movie on face, on, on Netflix, you're not scrolling Facebook. You, you sit there and watch, you know, and um, look at the, at the wall out of the window. You watch the clouds go by. And then the second part to, of it is that it doesn't have any reason or mm-hmm. purpose. Because quite, I think you've mentioned that too, so often we expect everything to have a purpose or I often give the example of walking. So, you know, we no longer go for walks because it feels nice and it, it's, it's good for us. It just it feels nice for our bodies to move this way. We do it because we, we need to make our 10,000 steps every day. And it's a bit of a different approach to, to even, even things that aren't doing nothing so, for example, the difference is, you know, if you go for a run because you're training for a marathon, like my bro- yeah. brother does sometimes, that's that wouldn't be the Nixon approach. But if you go for a run because you like it, because you feel like it, because it feels good for your body to move like that, that's a Nixon approach. It's It gives so much clarity. And I think the way you've said it, having no reason, no purpose, it sounds a lot like play with children. Um, and I, I'm just wondering... Is it like we have attached so much shame or guilt around just being able to say, you know what, I'm just home doing nothing. I'm just like, as you were talking, I was thinking, wow, it's interesting. Oh, absolutely. We have, and people, and you know, at first I thought that only Western people would have this kind of feelings of guilt around not working. For example, we feel a lot of, Mm -hmm. I'm not working, so I'm not being productive. So now I'm very guilty, feeling very guilty. But I found that people all over the world would also feel guilty, not just for not working, but for example, if they didn't socialize or if they didn't go to religious services or, uh, you know, not helping out your your families or something like that. So that, that feeling of guilt is probably very, very human, very, very, you know, global mm-hmm. phenomenon that kind of connects us in this way. And I've, um, I've heard the productivity expert, Chris Bailey, he explains it. He explained it to me in a way that I, that really spoke to me. He said, "If you're feeling guilty, it means that you're not not living in accordance with your values. And we value hard work. We value the community. We value spending time with our families. And it's all very important. It's not like it's not important. It's just these are very important things. But if we also we if we can think about it a bit differently and say." Yes, I value all those things, but I also value rest and spending time doing nothing and doing things that I like doing, like going for walks or, or reading books. Or and th- Those are not doing nothing. This is not doing nothing, but it's you know activities that, that we do for pleasure as well. And not just reading books because for work, for example, you know, as a writer, I read a lot for, for work. Wow. So just for the sake, just for the heck of it. Just, just for the heck of it, yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. And now then, 
Olga, so then how do we introduce Nixon? And in your book, you put it so beautifully at work, at home and in public spaces. But I guess let me focus on at home. How do we just create Nixon places at home? What can we do on a day-to-day basis? Our environments uh, Mm. play a much bigger role than we thought possibly. And for example, it's always a good idea to have a place where you can put your phone so it's not always uh, you know it's not always at arm's length so somewhere you know you can have a basket or 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 somewhere to put the phone your phone or or other screens if you have your screen right beside you or your phone Mm -hmm. for example you're gonna grab it it's Mm -hmm. just very hard to resist very very hard so you're gonna grab it if you don't have it at arm's length then you're you're not going to forget it or anything, but you will you won't you won't think of it just as much. So that's that's a good way to kind of not stare at screen too much. So I already mentioned things like reading nooks. Okay. Yeah. You know, comfy comfy places. Mm. I mentioned, you know, my father's armchair, my couch that I write a lot in about in my in the book. Places that just are super comfortable and don't create this feeling of I have to do this and this and this and that. Anything that's comfortable you can where you can sit down and, you know, do nothing. It helps immensely and I think in the wellness area a lot of focus is given to personal you know, willpower or personal responsibility, whereas our our environments are just such a huge, they just have a, such a huge influence on our, our our lives. And I think it goes a bit unacknowledged. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a big deal. It can be just a simple reading nook. Thank you for sharing those. And, I, and one thing you also said, two ways to nix. If you want more Nixon time, you have two options. You can either plan it out or go out and find it. And I think this just segues us into motherhood and Nixon. And I know you've written extensively on your motherhood journey and how, you know, sometimes it's difficult. I think for me personally, even just with preschoolers, you know, you sit down and you start thinking, what's for dinner? That's like the constant question in my head. I joke with my family (laughs) Like when I'm cleaning the dishes, I'm asking, what's for dinner tomorrow? You know, like (laughs) that's constantly going through my head. So then my question to you, I guess, um, Olga, um, as a mom with preschoolers or even older kids working from home, it's hard to be like a screen time police always, but you just want a few minutes to nix. How do you create these pockets in your day? Like how has it worked for you? Good, good question. I believe it is. Maybe it won't be, you know, very long but it's definitely possible Mm. so my kids are now a bit older so my my son he's the youngest he's nine and then I have a daughter who's 11 and another daughter who's 13 Uh, so they're a bit longer they're a bit young uh, older so they're a bit longer at school so that's a bit different I found it a bit easier as they grow older The, the 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 idea is not uh, compared to for example mindfulness right so mm-hmm. some some experts say oh for mindfulness you need half an hour of uninterrupted time and mm-hmm. you need a special place and you need yeah. to clear your thoughts that's just lots of work for a very busy mom <laughs> I found Nixon to be easier simply because you need all don't need all that and usually the way our brains work from what I've learned uh, doing research for Nixon it's mm-hmm very hard to keep a clear head for so long Ah. mostly it's going to you know you're going to 
think a bit about work and you're going to think about your kids and you're going to think what's for dinner. And then at some point it's going to switch and you, it's going to change. Mm-hmm. And maybe you think you have a new idea for a story or for a podcast. Or, and then you, maybe you'll just think of nothing for a while. And I think that's quite natural. So maybe people expect themselves to, oh, I'll just do nothing for, you know, half an hour. And then they realize it's not that easy. It's not, um, but maybe if it's, you know, it's it's a few minutes here or there, that's already fine. That's already great. So it doesn't have to be this big complicated thing. And also for for mothers, I I think, so my mom is a a genetics professor, very highly accomplished in, you know, in Poland. She's very organized and very, you know, very hardworking, but I would also see her, you know, reading a book or relaxing on, on her bed or I think it's important for kids to see adults taking a break. Mm, gosh, that makes so much sense. I remember when growing up, I would see my mom she would be holding a cup of tea and just like staring out the window. So I don't yes. know if she was thinking of dinner or thinking of who's doing the pickup, but she would do it so often that we would just walk by her. And now that I'm older and now that I read your book, it all makes sense. She was just like having those pockets of, you know what, children, I just want to nix. Yeah, wow. Now that we've talked about mothers, so now let's shift gears a little bit and dial it back. How about childhood and Nixon? But I think after the pandemic, many people are like dialing back a bit on those after school activities. And I love an article you wrote on your website about how one day you are just like planning your your kids' toys when they were younger. And you just kind of took them away and they not all of them, but you kind of just made room for space. So Olga, how can we as parents promote Nixon in the day-to-day lives of our kids? So I already mentioned being a role model, right? If kids mm. see us relaxing, doing nothing, just doing activity, fun activities, they're gonna kind of... Kids themselves are usually pretty good at Nixon as well. Some some kids, some maybe some people. At least I remember as a kid, I, I used to be really good at it. At, at daydreaming yes so if given the space kids will probably uh, i'm not saying all kids because kids are very different mm. but yeah probably if given the space they would probably they would they would learn to do nothing but of course it's much much harder especially with older kids when so much from school goes through technology So, for example, during the pandemic, when schools were closed, my two younger kids, they had assignments to do and maybe a short Zoom call every day or every second day, every other day. My eldest, who goes to middle school, uh, she would have everything through Zoom. So all the school lesson. And on one hand, it was great for me because I didn't have to do anything. (laughs) But on the other hand, of course, then she would spend her whole day in front of the computer yeah and also then after work you know homework and then talking to her friends also through screens mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was that was very hard and I think at some point for teens for, teens, for example it's going to become very very hard to kind of monitor that kind of screen use yeah and and it's not that it's bad I mean there's there's no. it's a balance oh my goodness where we've come so such a long way with technology. I think it's just that sifting through what what do we need and what don't we need. I, I you know, I don't think it's a good idea to demonize technology. It's just, mm. it can be so helpful. So for example, I tend to get lost 
a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. I, just, I once got lost in my own neighborhood when I've been living for years and I still got lost there. So um, yes. now that I have Google Maps, you know, all that I've, of that anxiety that I have around getting lost isn't mm. just, it's not like it's not there, but it's much minimized because I know I can find my way through, you know, Google Maps will tell, tell me where to go. Which is amazing. And now am I getting lost? I'm, I'm I'm not getting lost as much as I used to because of that. So technology very useful, very helpful. The problem begins to because our devices are just so immersive that you can. Yeah. It's not like you have one device for working and then the rest you do something else. You have a device for working, watching movies, entertainment, games, mm-hmm. paying bills. Right, everything we do, we do through the computer. So it's very, very hard to keep a balance, um, a healthy balance of you know screen time versus not screen time. That's true. And you quoted in your book, um, Chris Bailey, the productivity expert. People think we're taking a break a lot of the time, but they're not. They're just moving from one distraction to the next. We go from a work context to just paying attention to our phones for ten minutes, mm-hmm. and we stay distracted. Is technology? impacting our flow state and our ability to Nixon. Would you agree um, yeah. or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. I found myself when I'm even trying to work in your know, being a writer requires a lot of research. It requires lots mm. of scrolling and 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 browsing. And then it's very hard because you see an article that might interest in you know, that may be relevant to the article you're writing, but yes. you end up watching a cooking video. I am guilty. You know? I am I go down many rabbit holes. Yes. You know, you like I didn't mention that without a reason. I do that. I do that all the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> On one hand, that's that's absolutely true. And also this kind of thing where we go, you know, we, we're staying staring at our screens and someone goes, Hey, what you doing? And we go, nothing. Well, we've been, you know, browsing Facebook or doing something totally irrelevant, but we weren't doing nothing. We were browsing Facebook. That's on one hand. But on the other hand, I also think if we actually look at what we're doing during the day, maybe we'll find that we do more nothing than we think we do. So I know from people who've done time time diaries, like what they wrote down, what they did that day yeah. and how long it took possibly that wow. they found that actually yeah. more free time than they thought they would have. And then Olga, as I think we kind of wrap up heading towards the end, You know, I think there are moments, and you talk about this in your book as well, when it's impossible, and you actually say, do not encourage Nixon. And I guess my focus would be areas like when you're struggling with mental health, when you're just in that negative mode, like how would you, like give us just some examples on times when Nixon is not possible, it just can't work. Yeah, so um, I've included that section for people who, you know, think... So I've read lots of wellness books and it's always, this is going to work for you always, no matter what. And I Mm. found that wasn't true. And there are some, Nixon can be really great, uh, but there are some, some examples, you know, obviously if you have an emergency at home that you wouldn't, no, sorry, I can't, you know, I can't bandage your hands. I'm doing nothing right now. I, I mentioned that mental, you know, with depression, that's a tough one. I tried to thread lightly there because I'm not an expert. I talked to a woman who who experienced this. Sure. Um, she said she said that you know it's a it's a tragedy. She lost her baby, she, but she said that going out and doing things actually helped mm. her. But, but just to you know to make people realize sometimes it won't work and that's okay. Like you're not a failure if it doesn't work for you or, or something. I think with wellness books, people 
they they want to give it a try and mm. they feel they they're failing because they don't do everything exactly as they're told in a book and then they feel terrible about themselves oh you know I've t- so many people have told me oh i felt that nixon today no if you did it just for two three mm. minutes fine wonderful congratulations right uh. it's just <laughs> not possible to fail at nixon either it's not mm. possible that's fine or you probably did it for a few moments and that's also fine Oh, I love that. You're so liberating, Olga. Like you say it's okay. It's okay if it didn't work. If you did it for a few minutes and it's okay to fail. That's so powerful. I think those words are so crucial in so many aspects of life. So Oh yeah, I actually got inspired by reading tons of parenting books. Yes. And it's all I don't know if you read them too, but I I did and I felt worse and worse with every single mm. book I've read because they're kind of designed to make you feel bad about yourself so you go out mm. and buy more books and of course the advice can be helpful obviously I just didn't want my readers to feel this way and 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 it's just the pressure that you're not doing enough or you're not doing it right the food is not organic enough yeah okay yes yes you're not attached enough but you're also not you don't let go enough you know it's just yeah. no way for parents to win Oh my goodness, yeah. And even it's a it's a thing that I say a lot in in workshops when I when I do a workshop with parents on screen time. Sometimes it's you're doing enough, you're doing the best that you can because it's not easy to navigate screen time, parenting, we have no childcare, so you're some days you win and sometimes it's okay. It's okay. Absolutely. I always think about sugar in in your mm. diet. There's absolutely a place for, you know, dessert and sugary treats in a healthy diet the same way there's um there's space for screen time in a healthy technology diet or whatever you want to call it for sure wow so um olga where can you find the book so i have the book with me in front of me but someone who's kind of trying to get the book or find your writing which is very beautiful where would they go thank you so uh, one place to buy my book is obviously, you know, whatever books are sold, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, mm-hmm. um, probably your local bookstore might carry it as well. If not, ask them. They, they're older. That's going to be really nice for okay. me. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I run a Facebook group called The Nixon Years. It's okay. a bit of a wordplay I did on, you know, Nixon and Musketeers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Nixon okay. Years. Yeah. That's a fun place, I hope, for people to, you know, people share a lot there. It's really wonderful. I have four fun questions before you leave me. Um, Okay. Yes. So tell me a place that makes you come alive, Olga. Um, Well, um, the sea, actually. The sea. Yeah, the sea. I love it. It's so big and so vast. It makes you see how small you are. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And living in a place that's so connected to water. What is one thing that you would tell nine-year-old Olga, little Olga? What would you tell her? Oh, uh, wow, what a question. Um, it, it's funny because, uh, you know, my name, Olga, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a Slavic name. Yes. Um, but my father, like my parents wanted me to have a Slavic name, but also a name that would be easily pronounced Yes. by, you know, people who don't speak Polish. Mm. And he's, my father would always say, oh, if, you know, if you go and live abroad, people will have to pronounce, you know how to pronounce your name. Mm. 
it's it so maybe i will tell her actually you're gonna go live abroad <laughs> you will see the world oh my goodness yes. <laughs> she never knew that when she was young oh beautiful um what is your who was your favorite childhood book author so two books that I want to mention. One was uh, Winnie the Pooh, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, a book. Um, so my mom, uh, my mom grew up in the Netherlands where she attended an American school in The Hague. Okay. And so she speaks English and Polish just as well. It doesn't matter to her. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to teach me English. So she had this idea that she would take a book that I knew almost, almost by heart in Polish and have, yes. me, have me read it in English to her out loud. Wow. And she picked Winnie the Pooh. We had, uh, I think we had, uh, I'm not sure if we had the bilingual version. I have the bilingual version uh, on my home. Yes. But she would have me read the English version out, out loud to her, even if I didn't know that much of English. But with yeah. time, we would go through Winnie the Pooh and the, the house on Pooh's Corner and then actually Alice in Wonderland. And then mm-hmm. and then I think I started reading books my, in English by myself. Ah, so that was another book that I read later, much later as a teenager. Yeah. Um, it's by a Norwegian writer and it's called okay. Sophie's, um, Sophie's World. Mm. And this is a book about a girl who, le- who learns uh, philosophy. Yes. But it's also full of plot twists and it's essentially a very fun story, but also educational. Nice. I love that one. Sophie's World. Yeah, I think that the author, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, it's called Jostein Gardner. Uh, no. And he's, I think he's Norwegian. 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 Yeah. Sophie's World. Wow. It sounds like you are a young girl who would get lost in this imaginative world so i love it i love yeah, it yeah i would daydream a lot i still i still do if given the chance but, <laughs> but yeah beautiful last question i will be happy in my life when uh i get enough sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> yes every parent <laughs> yeah but also lots of books and i already have that so happy <laughs> you are happy nice i like books yeah me too well, Olga, it has been such a delight talking to you. I'm so glad. Thank you for your time. Thank um, you for having me. It's been a Olga's pleasure. Olga's voice was just so Thank soothing you. and relaxing. I feel she kind of gave us, um, gave me a get out of jail card to just embrace that art of doing nothing. No pressure, no judgment. What a reminder to make sure you have pockets in your day where you just slow the tempo down and just be as a human being. If you want to read Olga's book, you can purchase the book in the show notes below. I'm so delighted to have your company. I wish you a restful season and a great start to the new year. Take care. See you later. Bye.